Okay, this time I'm gonna get water and not spill it all over the ground. <laughs> Let's not make promises we can't keep. You're right. Are you sure you want to say not spill, Dave? Maybe you should set some benchmarks up. Right? Yeah. Okay, I'm not gonna spill more than three quarters <laughs> of the water on the ground. Okay. Here we go. The ultimate in irony: ripping the Halo soundtrack onto the Xbox. Nice. Alright, Joel, let's do it. Oh, shit. What? Uh, I should have started the process for the next R type shit. Oh, well. <laughs> I kind of just. already got like a lot of pots on the well, stove right now. R type ship unlocks Xbox CD ripping, drinking water and not spilling it everywhere, <laughs> eating cookies, making podcasts. It's a tough life. All right, what but are we? But we persevere. Dave and Joel, we are Fast Karate for the Gentlemen, your podcast for some time in the near future. Probably December 17th. Yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe 16th. I don't know. It doesn't matter. No, maybe 18th. We're going with 16th. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk about Neo Tokyo. But first, update on the Destroy the Koikaze DVD. Uh, you can stop sending emails. I mean, well, you can still send emails if you want, and that's cool, and we'll read them. But I think it's been decided how we're going to destroy it. This idea is so nostalgic to us and so personal that, first off, I'm surprised we didn't think of it ourselves. Uh, and second, you're never going to beat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of personal weight behind it. And some people sent in some really weird emails. Have you read some of them? I mean, not weird. I read the one like, about the Roman candle. Not weird like... Uncomfortable. I want weird. to touch your sister with the Koikaze DVD, but like we we got one guy that was like, use thermite on it. Where are we gonna get thermite? Yeah, where do you get thermite? First he, of all, I don't know what thermite is. It's like the they had it in one of the Aliens movies. Really? I think so. I don't want to buy anything that's gonna put me on a terrorist watch list. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he said, "Google it," that you can look up how to make it. I was like, "Whoa!" I think the FBI probably already watches me. <laughs> If not, they will down. But that's for entirely unrelated reasons. Oh, yeah. Child pornography reasons. After recording this podcast thing for Surratt, I'm pretty sure I'm screwed. <laughs> like, yeah. if the FBI's monitoring me, I'm going straight to Gitmo. Yeah, I really... I, Daryl's probably... This is probably an elaborate plan to get us, like, arrested for something. Mm-hmm. Look, I've got him admitting to rape. No, that was Hanzo. Who's Hanzo? He's got a split personality. He's crazy. Lock yeah. him up for life. <laughs> Hanzo is the inner rapist in Joel White. Hanzo is the tiny Japanese rapist that lives inside the large white man of Joel White. You see it every day, Johnson. You see it every day. <laughs> but anyway, what are we talking about? Koikaze is uh, it's decided problematically. Koikaze, destruata est. I don't know if that's the right word. Destruata? Talking about... It's the imperative form. You've been taking Latin recently or something? No. I just know what the imperative form sounds like in English, and I've heard the translation of that. <laughs> I'm not so sure. Okay. But <laughs> it's been a while since I took Latin or read anything Latin-based. Anyway, we've decided we're just having trouble tracking down a video camera. Now, we could do it on Joel's digital camera. But, but it would be crappy. Yeah, it wouldn't look as good. So... I took a picture, or I took a video of Jarrett's uh, birthday on mine, and it came out pretty well, I think. Good enough for YouTube, so 
Let's consider it a possibility. Maybe we'll try it next week. Okay. Um, otherwise. All right. So we're talking about Ninja. Wait, Ninja? Ninja? Uh, that no, was that like, was last week. Yeah. The poison of... Wait, have we even posted that one? Mm-mm. Oh. It's posted today. Nice. I haven't even edited it yet. <laughs> That's like the whole point of doing it in advance is to have more time to edit it. Whatever Not the case. Yeah, it, it's going to be a real loosey-goosey. Anyway, we're talking about Neo-Tokyo. Yeah. So while I float to said Neo-Tokyo and discuss combustible rust clusters. Nice. Evade cyber police. Anyway, those are all lyrics. Float to, to Neo-Tokyo with OPO. Discuss Isn't... combustible rust clusters with Gus. Invade cyber police. Yeah. I'm pretty sure those are the Yeah, hey, I know now. Automate us on the planet Earth, and he's trying to stop the war of the worlds. How will he do that? Deep. Deltron <laughs> Zero is here to go. Oh, oh that's a good album. That's a great album. In fact, you didn't listen, but... Uh, what was that? One of that week you were away, I guess it was Thanksgiving, uh, I did uh, Top 10 Anime Songs You Should Listen To podcast, and at the end I dropped some culture on him, gave him a couple Deltron 3030 nice. tracks. Deltron 3030 is good. Yeah, but we're not talking. We're That's tangentially related to the matter at hand, which is avant-garde, kinda, cartoons, maybe. You really need to be see Joel fist-pumping every time he <laughs> says a word. Well, let's, let's just... Neo-Tokyo is a series of three shorts, mm-hmm. which I guess are supposed to be... These commentaries of some sort. I mean, I call them commentaries because I'm not that bright. And I don't really know what's going on in at least one of them. And the other ones probably have deeper meaning. Yeah. But I'm distracted by blinking lights and race cars. Mm-hmm. Now, also maybe the issue is that we're not Japanese. So to even have a chance of getting it. I mean, these might be commentaries on Japanese social... What does a Italian clown have to do with Japanese? Like, what, does that recognize something like in the Japanese you, gestalt? First off, you can't count the first one as anything because <laughs> it is nothing. Freaking Rintaro, that weirdo. Metropolis was awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, Metropolis was awesome. So make more Metropolis and less of this. So I, I guess it's supposed to be about the power of imagination or something really that's, that's what the back of the DVD case said it doesn't seem like the power of imagination so much as a like really despondent look at Japanese the Japanese future because there's a lot of references to like time and stress and machines I don't think the the other two stories oh are necessarily intertwined though they do give you that impression at the end with the way the the first whole thing story comes together. Book, bookmarks it yeah but or bookends it but I don't think that's the case. I just think that was a poor editing choice on somebody's part to put that at the end. If that's the case, then you can't count the first story as anything. And maybe you're better off not counting it. Like, it's, oh, wait, it's maybe just... we're in like a, a Merchant of Venice syndrome here. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, like a... Not Merchant of Venice. Two Gentlemen of Verona. Eesh, those aren't even close. Oops. Somebody would have really called you out <laughs> on that one, too. What are you talking... There's no Shylock in this. I, well, I would say even like a... Well, maybe Midsummer Night's Dream is too much of a stretch, but like the way well, no, the reason Puck I, introduces... Yeah, well, the reason I specifically reference Two Gentlemen of Verona is because it's a play within a play. People point to it as like Shakespeare having 
no idea how to introduce a subject. Well, isn't Be- that that's uh, you could say that about uh, wasn't that Merchant of Venice? What's the one with Pyramus and Thisbe? I don't know. I think it is. No, Two Gentlemen of Verona. Okay, well, is definitely the. Uh, but Mer- oh okay. no, wait! Is Two Gentlemen of Verona the play that happens within the? Well, it's not a rarity that Shakespeare has a play within a play. Yeah. So happened in Hamlet, the play's the thing that will do something to the king. I think reveal the king. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not that bright. <laughs> anyway, continue with your point. <clears throat> oh yeah, I just think that uh, the cartoon within a cartoon, but they're still like sort of related. Well, maybe this is more like the little girl who kind of wanders around in this spectral realm of imagination is supposed to be us, the viewers, and we're being introduced to this fantastic world through whatever. Cartoons? Like, yeah. I mean, the little girl's using her powers of imagination. Imagination. Obviously, if we're watching cartoons, we're using our powers of imagination. So we're the little girl. And the clown is the DVD player. And I really he's introducing us to the stories. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a much. If I don't, maybe it's just the way I approach TV. But the fact that, like in the very end, the little girl is sitting there watching this thing happen, mm-hmm. somewhat within her imagination. I, that, I mean that that relationship can be inverted, where her imagination isn't being projected through the screen, but rather the screen is sort of inflicting her imagination on her. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you understand what I'm saying? So it's like it's a it's back- like a countercultural like backlash against TV. Yeah, maybe a little bit, or like some sort of because I, I, I mean, it, it, that would make sense to me because then it would explain like why you have in the very beginning when she's in that alley and you have the the businessmen run, yeah. jumping around with the the chimes on and they have a clock strapped to their backs and they're all very you know regimental and then there's the clock where the cat is mm-hmm. that's like ticked off almost and they do it from this very sort of foreboding angle like a the pendulum coming down to slice open your guts mm. like i just think that the whole the whole thing just seems kind of nefarious yeah. and i mean the two cartoons do not do anything to yeah alleviate that, that fear alleviate that fear not alleviate 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 isn't even a verb it's a it's pain a medication <laughs> alleviate so the the first segment uh directed by Rintaro regardless of maybe what meaning we've managed to draw out of it, which is a lot more than I thought we would have, because watching it, I was like, this is a, this is... Well, you have to do something. It's like one of those things where there's this enormous vacuum, and it's just Mm. sitting in front of you, waiting to be filled, because you have no idea what's going on. So it just sucks your brain out your nose and splatters it in there. (laughs) Maybe it is about imagination. It's like, hey, this is really boring. You better make something up, because I got nothing. Here's a kid in enormous pants and a really fat-ass cat. Run with it. That's all you, buddy. The next is uh, a segment by Yoshiaki Kawajiri, who's the guy who did Ninja Scroll. And it's first off, it's a much more distinguishable style. Like looking at the characters, you'll be like, oh, you could tell that it's the guy who did Ninja Scroll. Uh, the story is a little more discernible, but let's not give him too much credit. Well, the, I mean, if there even is a story, and it, yeah. Well, there's some sort of... All right, here's the story of this. Ethereal strands of plot. You've got your Days of Thunder. And you've got scanners. And we're going to bring those hands together. 
and add in a little dash of, uh, I don't know, Blade Runner, but without, like, the robotic humanoids and mostly just the noir like detective futurism. Talking. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're on, like, oh, we've got, like, what is it? Zero Z-Force? What's I, that? The, the Super Nintendo racer in space? F-Zero? F-Zero. That's basically what the race cars are like. Yeah. It's like F-Zero, except there's this one driver whose nickname is The Man Who Wouldn't Die. <laughs> because everybody else does. Yeah, that's basically the point. I guess maybe I didn't catch it. Now, in the context of the film, or short, whatever, are they supposed to... Obviously, they're not supposed to die. But is it a natural thing that they die, or is it they're dying because they're around this guy? Like, do they ever tell you that? I think they basically make it pretty obvious that he's killing them. Since, like, well, alright, you start off with this guy, and his nickname is The Man Who Wouldn't Die. I mean, let's keep in mind that these are race fans, people, so, you know, they're not that smart yeah, to begin we're with. we're talking about, you know, Bible Belt America here. <laughs> so, if they're going to come up with a nickname, it's not going to be snappy, and it's probably not going to be, you know, an allusion to something else. <laughs> it's just going to be very matter-of-fact. Kind of like the way Native Americans name people. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, like, so, you got this guy, and he's been in a bunch of races, and he's, like, won a lot of money, and, uh, he sees his own death in a dream. In the beginning. I assumed it was a dream. I don't know, the whole movie may have been a dream. Maybe I'm dreaming right now. You can't prove that I'm not. But whatever. And uh, there's this, like, 1930s reporter who apparently was unfrozen <laughs> just to cover this story. Yeah, they brought it back for 500 years in the past. <laughs> and so he's, like, he's there covering, he's, like, talking about the man who wouldn't die. And he's giving you this, like, noir yeah, voiceover. Yeah, gravelly, monotone. It's actually, it's the guy who did the voice of the main character of Wicked City and the dub. Yeah. And, like, I'm super in love with that guy. Because Wicked City was one of the first things I ever saw. And Wicked City's awesome. Well, that character in Wicked City is awesome. <laughs> Let's not go too far. I mean, I'm pro-vagina monsters as much as the next guy. That Dentata stuff is... I mean, look, I mean let's think... There's only been two films in our time that have ever used the vagina monster effectively. <laughs> Apocalypse Zero and Wicked City. Two classics in my vagina monster collection. <laughs> now, if you'll please move on to the... Weird, slimy, big-breasted women's wing of the anime collection. But yeah, there uh, was that chicken wicked city that melted. Yeah, that's what I was making a reference to. She's like, "Now nah, I've trapped him." Really? Because that looks awesome. <laughs> Are you sure he's trapped? I can't believe there's really a line. <laughs> Can you sign me up for the wait list? Oh, seriously though, I hated that movie. But oh, uh. What are we talking? Oh yeah, so you got your like F zero racer guy, and uh, he's going eight hundred kilometers an hour. Actually, I kind of assumed they were going faster than the speed of sound, and maybe the cars weren't so well maintained. Like they didn't have the best NASCAR mechanics, <laughs> and that's why they were falling apart. <laughs> well, there's one weird thing in a race car. There's a dial that tells you the speed, probably like the rotations per second. Yeah. And maybe something else. I don't know, like an AM, FM radio. In the future, there are so many graphs and charts, you would not possibly be able to drive this machine and interpret anything. Maybe it's like the stealth bomber. Like, 
you just you can't fly it. Like, you just have to rely on the computer to do it for you. It's, it's basically what must be happening. Like all these guys do is sit there and like hope that the psycho killer guy doesn't crush their cockpit. Well, the thing is, they have to be going unless he's got super psychic powers or something, which I guess is not outside of the realm of possibility. He does. That's the whole point. Does he? Were you even watching? I fell asleep and I know more about this than you. I was watching it. <laughs> he, like, they show you a scene where the reporter, like, they do a little, like, all right, so they start this race. Yeah. And they, they talk about, oh, he can't die. He won't die. He'll never die. And so they start this race. And the reporter says at the beginning all that junk about him not dying. I can't mention enough how much he's not going to die. <laughs> and, uh,. Then they do, like, a flashback to when the reporter found him in the shop, and he was, like, doing this, his, like, psycho crusher thing, which isn't, you know, it was the name of something. It's, yeah, it's M. Bison's... Yeah, M. Bison's, uh, like... Charge move in... Except this is actually, fighting. like, a, a crushing thing, it's not so much as a psycho torpedo. Psycho crusher. And he's, like, he's going, ah, and, like, doing the sort of Dragon Ball Z power-up thing where stuff's getting lifted off the ground and, like, oh, yeah. dials are I, smashing. Okay, I remember that. He's doing that on purpose because then you see when he gets passed in the race, he goes kind of bananas and starts like killing Gwen's, everyone. Just like Gwen Stefani. Yeah. Just waiting for the lid to blow off that coffee <laughs> pot. <laughs> She's already got the four Japanese slave girls. That's our first. That's gonna be our first anime music video. We're gonna suck at this. We're gonna put this with Harajuku girls or whatever. The uh, shit is bananas. B a n a n a a. The shit is bananas. B a n a. Ain't no hollaback girl. But anyway, so he like starts killing everyone, and I mean like. It's really weird because the crowd cheers at first when, like, the first guy gets blowed up. Yeah. Because that's basically what happens. Like, Psycho Crusher guy, like, explodes their cockpit and maybe, like, their visor so the glass shoots into their eyes and then something. You know, it's really... One guy's safety belt malfunctions and he, like, flies out of the car. He doesn't even... His safety belt, he gets pulled out. The dude pulls him out and, like, throws him effectively at the guy behind him. So you see this, like, scene and you're like, oh, is this really going to happen? And it does (laughs) because it shows the guy's head, like, smash through the windshield and then there's exploding and you're like man ninja scroll was a really bloody violent movie <laughs> i mean when it was ninjas i didn't really notice but now that it's race car drivers yeah it's kind of sad ah. those, mm. those poor brave men of the tar and rubber joe they're just plying their trade in a world gone mad. <laughs> mad for speed. So he dies. Speed and psycho-crushing psychics. <laughs> but yeah, it's like... Yeah. But why does he die? I think he blows himself he up. Does. I don't even know. Well, that's the only part He does. I he caught. pulls off his own freaking head. Well, he runs into this spectral version of himself, basically. Well, yeah, the dream... In his vision, he... No, it's not a spectral version of himself. It's like all the other people he's killed. I thought that's what it was. Oh, I know. It could be him. I, I thought don't it was know. supposed to be him. <laughs> like, maybe that's really, you know, that's the depth of it, you know. He's well, his own worst enemy. He's his own ghost race car driver <laughs> worst enemy. The thing is, he had to know that, you know, this was it for him. So it wasn't on purpose because he doesn't stop after the race ends. Yeah, he just keeps on going. And that's why they nicknamed him the man who would not stop. <laughs> That was posthumously applied. The man who would not stop the man who pulled off his own head with the psychic powers nobody knew he had. The man who would not stop until he eventually died. (laughs) 
Yeah, but this is like a weird. The like going back to the crowd, died. like they all cheer after like the first one, like the blow up, and then I guess they get kind of bored with exploding cars instead of horrified that like <laughs> nine people have died fiery deaths in front of them. Well, the... it's like well now I'm just bored. I mean that's like the fifth fiery crash death I've seen in the last. Let's 10 see minutes. a little variety, Psychic Commander. Yeah, all right, come on. <laughs> sure, but what have you done for me lately? Well, they, the the detective says as much when, yeah. at the very end, he's like, oh, well, after he died, they just closed it down because I guess they saw what they wanted to see. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's a commentary on sort of the voyeuristic tendencies of human culture. I don't know. That, I mean, it's kind of hard to get to the deeper meaning of a lot of this stuff because, you know, it's encapsulated in space race cars. And it's only 15 minutes long yeah. on top of that. I mean, you, you might say, Joel, that's a little unfair to just write off science fiction like that. But I just did. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I like science fiction. I do, too. I was just joking. <laughs> My bad, science fiction. You're all right. You're all right. Not anymore. Yeah, not really. It was pretty all right like 20 years ago. That's <laughs> all. Now the best science fiction is written by Stephen Colbert in jest. <laughs> Uh, what's the next one about? Uh, the robots in South America. Yeah. Maybe South America. I don't know. Well, they say Banana Republic, so I assumed it was somewhere in the Latin states. Why they, does Japan even know what a Banana Republic is? I'm sure one person <laughs> in Japan knows. It's like, guys, I found this great reference. Also, that was in the dub, so, you know, you don't know what they called it in, maybe... Yeah, it's an appropriate cultural translation, yeah. if anything. But yeah. So, for whatever reason, I guess this company has a project in a swamp or a jungle in South America to sort of, I guess they're terraforming land and they're putting up condos or something. Yeah, they don't really explain. They're building an enormous city. Yeah. Basically. But you don't know what the purpose of this place is. It seems like it's an industrial-centered thing that... I don't know, power plants maybe or something. But then they've got what looks like apartment buildings too. Yeah. So that's not really the point. Uh, I guess at some point the elected democratic republic or democratic government of this country had been overthrown by guerrillas. And when that happened, all the workers got out of there. Well, not but, even all the workers. The contract with the company was voided. Yeah. They said they weren't going to pay for it anymore. Well, so they pulled out, but they left the robots behind. Well, it was always only robots. There'd only was ever it? been one superintendent. Oh, okay. I thought I thought the humans left. No, it was always one superintendent, and the reason that the company was pulling the plug was because they weren't going to be paid for the work they were doing. Yeah, so they, they were trying to recoup their losses. Yeah. Because the way they talk about it, they say... Uh, you, you dig something up and the jungle grows it back in six days. So it's the most expensive project ever conceived. Uh, Which I would agree with. Yeah. Just based on architecture alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they send our buddy, the main character, in after the first supervisor has disappeared to shut down this whole thing. And you don't know they're robots at first. They just say, like, well, this project has to be terminated. So get in there, shut it down, salvage whatever you can, and bring it back. And then he shows up, and the little robot says, hello, sir. 
You know, nice to meet you. The, where, you must be the new supervisor. So. Yeah, the new superintendent. Thanks for coming. So basically he shows up and there's this robot that greets him. And he is the, uh, I don't know, the protocol droid. Yeah. For lack of the real word that they use in the anime. He's like the foreman. Yeah. He's the foreman robot. And so he tells the new superintendent, he's like, okay, we're ahead of schedule and we're going to do all this touring stuff. And the superintendent then says, you know, the whole point is that I'm here to shut this down. And the robot responds with... You can't do anything to delay the schedule of the project. That's like that. for like, you know, two thousand and one. You know, yeah. it's like that's, I'm sorry, Dave. I can't do that. Except this one's kind of this weird robot with an umbilical cord that like stutters and shoots out exhaust yeah, every like once in farts. a while, <laughs> which is actually kind of cool. But it's definitely not like the you know smooth white Kubrick robots. They're well, like definitely... it's it's clearly meant to. Yeah, they say as much in the. In the show, that they're overworked, yeah, and underpaid, malnourished. They're not very well maintained robots. I guess they don't have robots that take care of other robots. No, no maintenance <laughs> robots. Only working robots. None of which can work on maintenance. <laughs> I like the one robot that was a piston. Yeah, but it was still at like the robot's upper body, so it and a like, little pressure gauge on so his chest. So it was just going up and down, and it was like wee. It would flap its arms. <laughs> So anyway, like this guy's here to shut it down. He soon realizes that this one robot has gone bonkers and will no longer respond to commands. And uh, apparently, then that robot like shoots him with a wrecking ball, starts trying to feed him spark plugs, and uh, after spending a couple days laying with pornography, he decides it's time to take action. He couldn't figure this out before. No way, no how, nowhere. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, yeah, he, he beats the crap out of Protocol Droid. With a pipe. And then escapes from his room and goes to shut it down just in time to hear from headquarters. Just in time to miss hearing yeah, from headquarters. Yeah, just in time to miss hearing from headquarters that the project is a go. And that he shouldn't shut everything down. And our last scene is him riding off to bust up the central computer or whatever. Yeah, riding off is the appropriate word too. Because you're just like shocked. You're like watching it and he's like sort of... He's, straddling this yeah, on like a coiling cable. cable that's like slapping like some enormous boa constrictor. Yeah, it's flailing in the wind. And you're like, all right. You know what, though? This was probably the best the one. The most sensical? I liked this one the most. Yeah, me too. And this one may be coloring. Because this the because this one like... Was so much better than the other ones? It all, and it, it was sensical and it evoked a lot of familiar imagery. Like it evoked like that kind of... Uh, Heart of Darkness, Apocalypse Now. Well, riding stuff. in, yeah, on like the, the, the riverboat and like, you know, like... and the, the isolation and being among uh, like unfamiliar hostiles. Peoples. Yeah. It, it, and it was also the fact that this guy's like a, a company man, yeah. you know, working for the manager, trying to make sure his supervisor doesn't kill him. You know, that yeah. really, that's, well, yeah, you that's can why I go back. with the robot yeah. in so much as you can empathize with the robot. But you really emphasize with the... Because uh... they're doing the same thing. Yeah. Just but... on different levels. Well, yeah, but I think that, that this one really colors how I see, like, you know, the beginning with, like, the clock and everything and this idea mm. of, you know, stress and schedule so and, you... like, the, the pressure to achieve and all this stuff, like, kind of... It seems like take a very negative view of a lot of the ideas that are swirling around Japanese culture, at, at least... At that time. At that time, yeah. With... Like, work 60-hour weeks or 80-hour weeks and... Yeah, you know, know, it's like you're going to... Be the best in your department. 
you know, crush everyone else. <laughs> That's probably not necessarily a bad connection to draw, especially, you know, things haven't gotten better for Japanese animators at all. In fact, they've probably gotten worse, if anything. Yeah. But, you know, at the time, it was like, burn the midnight oil, guys. Like, you're in here doing this. So maybe it's their backlash. Like, but Yeah, I want to go back to, like, the part where I realized he was laying in a pile of pornography. Like, you're just watching this thing. Yeah, I, and this is you're you're watching his decay, and then at one point they like flash to overhead. He's laying in bed, surrounded by porn. Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously porn, but it's not explicit. Like no. it's got a magazine is open to what's clearly a centerfold page. Yeah, and there's a drawing, like an outline of a woman. It's not detailed, but and I gotta it think gets like the gist across. If I were being threatened by robots and thought they were gonna kill me. I might have trouble getting an erection. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I feel like that's just not something that, like, that's not what's going to come naturally. It's like, well, I'm here. I mean, I might as well. You know what I was They're thinking? not feeding me. That, what I was thinking, as soon as I realized that was pornography, I was like, no, dude, you're not getting food anymore. <laughs> that's wasted energy. <laughs> Mine was hardly as, uh, I don't know, economic. Yeah, pragmatic. <laughs> I was more like, you got to work on a plan. All the last guy did was write, I love my wife on the board, which you wonder if he really did, because apparently he surrounded himself with porn. <laughs> well, it, I guess gets it gets lonely, lonely in there, the jungle. Yeah, you can't really make out with the protocol droid. Well, yeah, because he shakes and farts every once in a while. <laughs> it's kind of a turn you off. You could, yeah, but it's, it's just not that sexy. <laughs> yeah. Give him some gas X and then... You know, yeah, let this, him clean up his act. I really liked that one, but uh, I don't know. I don't think it's as easy to talk about as all the others, just because it is really so matter of fact. Yeah, but that, until the very end, when like, like it. it's sort of yeah, like the writhing chords, like, <laughs> and like there's this strange like central pagoda yeah. of industry, this dome of evil, the scale of the industrial construction being done at this place is impossible. <laughs> Like, That's it's why no, they got robots. Yeah, it's no wonder it costs you, like, the cost of the project is astronomical. You're building a city. Like, how much do you think it costs to build Philadelphia? If you took all the money that was ever spent on the construction of this city. In the past, you know, what, 400 years? Yeah. Like, it would be enormous if a single company took on something like that. So no, no crap. <laughs> it's, it costs a lot? Well, you built a city... With all these, like... It's okay. They use cheap materials. It's like all plywood. <laughs> it's like it's like Ikea, but for a whole town. <laughs> yeah, it's like... like there's no... All the robots are, like... buildings fall apart. <laughs> all the robots are doing those little, like, plug-in screw things. It's like, oh, twist yeah, to the, the right. Yeah, the It, like, pulls the buildings together. <laughs> but, yeah, I and then you... After this episode, which is, like, cool, and you kind of wish it had gone a little longer, like... More because it was just like that. That was one that really captured my imagination. I think it more was than any other the set. longest one, but you know, by five minutes maybe. Yeah, they were all really short, but that one really captured my imagination. I wish it had gone longer. And immediately after it, you go back to like the little girl and the clown. Only now they're in this like circus at the center of this what appears to be. I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like a city. That has sort of fish-eyed out from a crater. So everything is like curving up from this great impact. But nothing was destroyed. I, don't, I mean, 
It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, there's there's also a circus in it. Uh, I'm thinking the circus landed on the city. Maybe. Well, it did look like the circus came from space. Or at least the future. Yeah. Uh, and then what happens? Nothing. Oh yeah, where it, the wild things ends. are happens. Yeah. <laughs> there you the, go. The clown... The clown shadow, shadow turns it becomes this like bubbling mass of biological matter. It's that like turns the alien goblins. entities at the end of uh, Get a Robo. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. It's Get the a enemy Robo Armageddon. The, the invaders. The invaders. They don't look like dinosaurs anymore. Now they're clowns and clown shadows. <laughs> but yeah, then they come out and the little girl like dances with the horrible goblins and creatures that should be terrifying her. And she jumps into the clown's arms. And then everything's over. And you're like, what the hell just happened? I'll tell you what I was like. Thank God that wasn't another full-length segment of that crap. <laughs> yeah. Power of the imagination, nothing. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, have you seen Memories? No. Memories is like a better version of this. I know, that's another short. Well, I don't know. It kind of is, it kind of isn't. The the only really good section in Memories is the first one, Magnetic Rose, which is like... The ghost one? It's Yeah, it's a Satoshi Kon. Yeah, thing, well so. that's why it's good. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Otomo does the last one in that, which is bad. It's, it's about this city whose whole existence is based around shelling this other city that might not exist, and vice versa. Uh-huh. So it sounds like a cool idea. But it doesn't really come it, off. No, not really. And the the middle one, I think, is at least in part related to the people who did Amazing Nurse Nanako. Ah, no, it's it's not. <laughs> it's not like Amazing Nurse Nanako. No, not at all. But uh, it's kind of just there. Like it's very vapid. Uh, so it's kind of like a an interesting way to spend twenty or thirty minutes. But there's nothing really to it. I'll have to watch that sometime. Yeah, it's worth watching. I don't this, know. This one probably isn't worth watching. Yeah. Like, it's kind of cool to, like, see this stuff, but I wouldn't go out of my way to get it. I thought uh, the last segment had a really well-realized animation. Mm. A real, really well-realized design style. But I really like uh, how Otomo's stuff looks. Yeah. Like, uh, I really liked Akira. And Everyone. I really, yeah. I you really, know what, if you listen to this podcast and you didn't like Akira... Shut up. You totally liked Akira. Don't be a dick. <laughs> Everyone likes Akira. No. Unfortunately, there are people who don't. What do they like? I don't know. Evangelion? Probably. Jerks. <laughs> Whatever. I think we're done. Right. Uh, I don't know. You want to even venture a guess about what we could talk about on Monday? Or Wednesday, rather? I don't know. Wednesday? Are we? It's not when we're doing a... I don't know. Let's talk about uh, how long is this? Barefoot again? Oh, well, it's like, 170 minutes. Two hours and ten minutes. Damn. No, that's three hours. 170? No. Two hours and 50 minutes. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's like three hours. That's two I don't hours. know. On Wednesday, we will talk about something related to video games. Okay. Bye. What? I raped you. You must loathe me.